30-year AM, and you're talking about five years of interest only. So like you said, you're locking that in. You're able to pay a little bit more because the cash on cash is great because of that debt. Real estate's two things, as Robert Kiyosaki says. It's debt and it's taxes. This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, and today our guests are Jake and Gino. These guys are so much fun, and they're so knowledgeable. This was a great interview to record, and I'm sure it will be even more fun to listen to. Today, you are going to learn from two financially independent and successful real estate entrepreneurs who have been building their business for a number of years now, and they have got the whole formula down. And they're going to tell you about it today. They're going to tell you everything that they've learned along the way as far as entrepreneurship goes and as far as setting up their business for success goes. This is a this was just so much such a fun interview, guys. And I'm sure it's going to be fun to listen to. These guys are a blast. They have a book that came out just that today, the day that uh, we recorded, The Honeybee. Check that out. They have their own podcast. Just search Jake and Gino. Go to jakeandgino.com. Once again, they're so much fun. This was a great interview to record. And uh, without further ado, here we go with Jake and Gino. Jake and Gino, thank you for joining us today. Taylor, thanks for having us on. Sorry for the uh, Beavis and Butthead jokes earlier, but we're, we're here to be professional now, Taylor, and we're going to be very good guests for you. <laughs> all right, great. We're, we're all Metallica fans here, so, <laughs> so no problem. So guys, you're some of the biggest names in the apartment syndication industry, but for the folks out there who haven't heard of you somehow, can you introduce yourselves real quick? Is this is this video? We got video going? Are they going to see video? They might see the video, but you might as well All just right, assume well, so audio. If not, picture and imagine back in 2010, I, I walk into Gino's restaurant and he's got his arms crossed like this, and he's standing in the back of the room with a big mean mug on his face. And I'm, I'm hanging out with his brother and I just... I can't figure out what's got, the, why is he so down? Why is the G-Dad so miserable? And come to find out, he was in the back. He was working with the dishwashers. People were not coming in. He had a lack of systems. And essentially, he was a mom and pop restaurant owner. But we shared a similar passion. We both wanted to get into the real estate game. Just so happened the first day I really met Gino, we sat down the day before I left for Tennessee. We pulled up the laptop because his brother Marco said, you got to talk to my brother about real estate investing. And we started looking at deals that day. And that day kicked off our entire real estate journey because after that, went to Tennessee, took us two years to get into our first deal. And the only thing, the only common thread we had at the time was that passion because we wanted to take control of our lives and we wanted to create passive income for ourselves. We wanted financial freedom for our families. So it all started at the restaurant that one day with Gino mean mugging me. He wasn't mean mugging me. He was just pissed because I'm sure he had a dishwasher call in and a lack of systems going on. So that that kicked the entire thing off. But if you really look at it, we had common things. We had common threats. We both stayed in our lane. We were focused on multifamily investing. We weren't doing fix and flip today, Bitcoin tomorrow. Let's do a single family residence on the third day. No, we were we were isolated. We knew we wanted to be in multifamily, so we stayed in our lane. Partnerships. You got to have very similar ethics. So we had very, you know, strong ethics. We're very moral men. Thirdly, we stayed on it because we have very similar work ethics. I'm in Florida right now. As we're recording this, I'm at Gino's house. We've been working since, you know, the time we got up this morning. We're grinding through. We uh, spoke a minute ago. We got our live event this weekend. Look, whatever it takes, we bust our butts. We make sure we get it done. So there's there's things that make partnerships work. Unfortunately, I found that within the GDAC here. 
Taylor, I have absolutely nothing to add to that. So boom, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> count it. We out. <laughs> we we buy our first property in 2013. It's a 25 unit mom and pop. And a lot of you out there are saying multifamily is not for me. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough time. Well, you're looking at the limiting belief person right here. And if you don't work on yourself and you don't get into the personal development, you're going to be stuck there. Uh, I went to life coaching school. I worked through all of that. I worked through my limiting beliefs. I worked through a lot of those energy blocks that I had. But I had such an anger for what I was doing. I had such motivation. There's two types of motivation, moving away from pain or moving towards pleasure. Now, let me say that again. Two types. You either move away from pain, which is what I was doing, and now I'm moving towards pleasure. You can use both of those for that motivation, and that's what I did. So on our first 25-unit deal, we had 10% owner financing, which was great. We partnered up with my brother, so there was three of us, and we bought – what did we buy, Jake? We bought some mom and pop action, baby. We bought a mom and pop, which is really a motivated seller. Somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, which I was a mom and pop for over 20 years in the restaurant business. It just means a person who has a small business who's really treating it like a job and not like a business. They don't have any systems. They don't have what Jake and I call the three things, the people, the systems, and the culture. Now, let me say that again. Everyone write this down. It's all about people. It's all about systems. And it's all about culture. Those three things I didn't have. And I was attracting what I was, not what I wanted. I was attracting mediocre talent. Now, fast forward now, we've got an amazing team. We know how to build culture. We know how to attract the people. And we're building systems every day. And it's a constant evolution. And it's a lot of fun. But let's get back to that 25 units. We close on it three months later miraculously, right? Overnight sensation. No, because we've been doing it for 18 months. We found another deal. And why did that happen, Jake? I'm going to answer that for Jake. It was <laughs> all about the momentum, right? It was all about that motivation. And it was all about that out there of not having credibility. Then broker sees that we actually make it happen and do it. We bought our second deal. We found another partner. We still bought it without syndication. Six months after the second deal, we bought 136 units, which is our third deal. The first five years and a half, we did not syndicate a deal. We refinanced and re-rolled about $9 million of proceeds into the deals, into the deals. The first thousand units we owned ourselves, me, Jake, and another partner. We decided to syndicate in November of last year because syndication was a hot topic. We, we didn't know what, what it was. We did what you're doing right now. We podcasted all the top talent and we learned it and we decided to start syndication last year. So you can start anywhere. You can start by, let me give you a couple examples. You can start by partnering up with people. You can start by owner financing everybody. You can start by raising capital. Those are three ways. You can start by boots on the ground. Those are four ways that I've mentioned that you can get into multifamily. You can raise capital for other people's deals, or you can syndicate for yourself. So there's a lot of ways to get into multifamily. And for us, like I said, get back to it. I had a lot of pain and I was motivated to do it. And a lot of our students who come on board have those pain points and they just want to, you know, take control of their financial freedom, of their financial lives and become financially free through multifamily investing. Let's, let's take a step back though, because Gino touched on something that's very, very important here. He said people, systems, and culture, but he put the cart in front of the horse. Is that what they say in Tennessee? I did. <laughs> so here's the deal. To get into that first deal though, what did it take? It took, it took a lot of grit. It took education times action to equal those results. I'm gonna say that again. To get in that first deal, Gino got educated. I brought the boots on the ground action to the table 
And that relentlessness, uh, relentlessness over time led to a result. So it was education times action that led to a result. From that point, we were in the game. We had a 25 unit. We're in the game. Now we had to figure it out because we didn't have systems. We were the mom and pops in the beginning. So education times action will equal your results. But then you got to get good people on the bus. You got to get systems and you got to get culture. So that's what we've been learning over the years. I'm, uh, I think it was our fifth deal. Uh, Jim Clayton, actually uh, a gentleman that sold his mobile home uh, construction and development company to Warren Buffett for, I think, three and a half billion dollars, financed our fifth deal with a community bank. And I was I was pitching Jim why he should give us the loan. It was an owner finance deal. And I'm saying to him, whatever it takes, you know, I'm going to get the, you know, the checks down. If we got to you know, hire another maintenance man, this, that, and the other thing, Jim, I'm your guy. We're going to get it done. And he's like, Jake, that's great. But you got to get systems in place. I've been there, man. If you're going to scale, you got to get the right people on the bus and you got to get the right systems in place. And that not, that took the wind out of my sails because I'm sitting here, you know, trying to sell and interview him. This is why we're going to do it. But he was dropping real knowledge on me at that point. And that's why from that point forward, we focus on people, systems, and culture because we're already in the game. So now we have to refine and find that blue ocean strategy. What I mean by that is we're not trying to compete. We want to be the Chick-fil-A of apartments so that our apartment communities have the best customer service. We're operating the C&B apartment space. And we know that the gap there is that excellent customer service. So day in and day out, we show up to work to have an NPS score of 75 or greater on our apartment community. So we What's NPS? Net promoter score. This is what our customers think about us. Are they going to refer us? How much do they love us? You're talking app, Apple. You're talking Chick-fil-A, Google. Those are the brands that get 75 or greater. And that's what we're striving to achieve every day. But our- Taylor, let me take it one step back, though. When Jake had mentioned education times action equals results, it's really important because I was taking massive action before I met Jake back in 2006. I was buying deals. I bought a mobile home park. Wow. From a guy named Maserati Mike. Let's not get into that story. No, you, got, you can't bring up Maserati <laughs> Mike and not get into the story. There. Well, the you pro- have to talk about Maserati Mike. Let's the problem it. is when you get into something and you go into a deal, you really need to do, you know, it's two words. It's called due diligence. I didn't know what due diligence was. I didn't know how to analyze a deal. I didn't know what a cap rate was. I didn't get in an airplane and fly down and look at the deal. I didn't do my due diligence on a deal. You know, I, I always tell Jake, a person with money, meets a person with experience. The person with the experience gets the money and the person with the money gets the experience. That was hold me. On, hold on, Taylor. What's your interpretation of that? <laughs> it almost sounds like uh, like the the person with, with the money without the experience is going to learn a hard lesson. School of hard knocks, baby. And I learned two of them because my next deal was the same thing. So I was taking massive action, right? It's almost as if Tony Robbins saying, you're going to head west by looking for a sunrise, right? Sun doesn't rise on the West Coast, it rises on the East. So I had all that action, I'm taking this massive action, but I didn't have the education. And then what I ultimately ended up doing was, I invested my education. I went out and I found mentors and I found a couple coaching programs and I said to myself, multifamily works for me. Even 10 years ago, I could see that people were renting and I wanted I, I wanted a, a space where I knew even if there comes a recession, people are still going to need a place to live. So that's why I chose multifamily and I got myself educated. And it was a couple of years before I met Jake, but I was still looking and looking and looking. When I hit that pain point, when the great recession came, things really shifted for me. And I said, I really got to get on my game. Taylor, we, we are redefining the basic human needs. How so? Food, clothing, and? 
Shelter? Apartments, baby. Come on, you got yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, there right? you go. All right, I got that. I like, <laughs> I like that, bro. That's good. So, I mean, can we talk about some examples of systems? I mean, we have people, you know, we can figure out putting people in place. I get that. Culture, people have probably heard of. No, let's start with culture. the people. All right. Let's start with the people. Go for it. Your call. Let's, because it's we'll not just, it's just not, we're, we're not just taking somebody off the street because there's certain, you know, types of people that, that are not good fits for our culture. And, and there's some folks that are fantastic fits. And, and I'll just give a, a few stories. We actually recruited our regional manager uh, now for our uh, East Tennessee properties from Ruth Chris. Do you know why? No, I don't know why. You serving a lot of steaks at your properties? <laughs> because they have an excellent customer service program. And the thing that we're trying to drive home through a net promoter score is excellent customer service. And then we've taken another person from Ruth Chris and we've taken some other folks from some really, you know, higher end restaurants because they get out of that vampire life. Okay. So this is a tip for everybody out there that is operating apartments. You can find very good folks that have a, you know, a, a can do servitude attitude at these, these finer steakhouses and some of the other, other restaurants that have very good customer service programs. Okay. So that's where a lot of, you know, the recruitment started early on because Folks, we've had we've had a lot of you know people come through uh, on our property management team because we are vertically integrated. It means you know we, we run the property management, we do the financing in house, we do the in house syndication, the investor relations. You know we we have a uh, Rand Cares company, very much vertically integrated. We have the education company, all you know really serving this greater purpose. You know our core purpose is really to improve the lives of others by creating communities that allow people to become the best version of themselves. So that at the core of what we do, that's why we come to work every day. And now, and that's important. Let me cut in real quick. Sure. What Jake says to improve the lives of others by creating communities that allow people to become the best version of themselves. Now, our community specifically are first our property management, which are our residents. The second element to that is the Jake and Gino education platform. Those are our students. The third platform is our syndication company where we syndicate deals are our investors. And the last one is the Rand Capital where we do mortgages, where we find mortgages for our students and for others out there looking for debt and equity. So we've created something called multifaceted. Now this is getting way ahead of getting your first or second deal, but in real estate, you're always thinking of the end in mind, your exit strategy. So as you're building out, you're starting your first or second deal, Think about the core values. That was my biggest mistake, our core values that we didn't flesh out. We're just doing coaching right now because we love educating ourselves and we're doing Petra scaling up coaching. And that was one of the things that was lacking. We didn't have that mission statement and we didn't have those core values and we hire on that. And that's, that's our mantra. So we want the unwavering ethics. We want to make it happen. We want the people first. Those are the things that we want. So everyone out there, Sit down and think about what your mission statement is. Just think about it for a second. I'm going to let it marinate for a second because it's really important because everything you do and everything you hire from is that what my partner hates to hear more than anything is it's not my job. Oh, yeah. That is the, that is the person. But that I used to hear that all the time in my restaurant and I, I – I didn't hire on that and I let that slide. Now that's one of our core values. It's make it happen. If you need our help, we'll all make it happen together, but we need to figure it out. So that's why I'm telling people right now, when you're building a business and that will dovetail into your systems, because I think your systems can be built out by the core values and by the people. Zig Ziglar said it best. He says, build up people. 
then people will build up the business. That I, I believe that with all my heart now. If you told me that five years ago, and if you told Jake about core values when he was in corporate five years ago, we would have poo-pooed it. We would have thought you're crazy. But going through this transformation and building multiple businesses and being multifaceted and growing these out and attracting the help because you can't do it yourself. You need to leverage not only real estate, but you need to leverage other people's time to help you build it out. The pie is not this big. It's infinite. And if you're willing to share some of that pie, you're going to make the pie even larger. So it's important to do that. I know we're throwing a lot at no, you. No, it's, it's a lot of entrepreneurship, though. You know, you're going to allow people to build out the systems and then run with it and elevate themselves throughout the organization. And, and so just to put a bookend on you know what we're talking about, we're really looking for people. We can teach you multifamily. We can teach you uh, apartment management, you know, because that's where the bulk of our employees are. We have more than 50 you know, employees on the property management wow. side. But but on the, the thing is, we, you have to come with that right attitude on the front end and we can teach you the rest. So we're looking for the right attitude. We're looking for growth mindset, self uh, you know, starters. We can we can train on a lot of the rest of this stuff. But it has to, that attitude has to be in place because it is it is a growth company. It moves very quick. You may be in a different role in a week from now from where you were you know, the previous week. So you've got to be willing to adapt to the positive attitude. Okay, so, so that was that, that was the people piece, you know, yeah. very much on the front end. It sounds like uh, your the people piece and the culture piece are um, intermingled, or that the the culture piece is almost a test for the people piece. If that makes sense. you have your culture in place. Well, the, the culture piece is also though there's there's a lot of crossover between brands. So you could start a, on the property management side and maintenance, mm-hmm. and end up working for the syndication company or the education company based on where you want to go. Because our companies, we have. Badass Christmas parties. We just went whitewater rafting with all four companies cool. a, a week ago, and people had a phenomenal time. Everyone went camping afterwards. The ideas are flowing. So it's not intended to be a business trip. This is supposed to be a Rand Fam event. Uh, we're going to feed 20,000 kids for Thanksgiving this year by having inner office competitions. Plus, Gino and I are going to be contributing a lot. We're going to be, you know, promoting on the podcast to drive awareness towards, you know, feeding kids at Thanksgiving. And, you know, believe it or not, some of the Rand Cares events that we do, we just built a playground. Uh, for the Boys and Girls Club. This stuff is some of the best team building and culture uh, that you can you can do with an organization. So we very much uh, love giving back to our communities. And Taylor, one of the other important things that I've learned in the last couple of years is everyone's always hating on millennials. I think they've got it right. I don't think they want to go to work just for a paycheck. I think they want to become part of something. So as we're growing these companies out, we have that mission statement where we did go up three three Fridays ago on a Friday, and a lot of the employees went to go help build that playground. And it's really building culture, and it's really giving back, and they're being part of something. I mean, to be able to go to a, to a, to a residence unit, they're not tenants, they're residents, and they're, they're homes, they're not units. All that, all that vernacular and those words, they mean something, and we're dealing with people's houses. And if you can make that and translate that to the employees and make them understand that and we're serving them for a greater good, I think the employees will be more bought in and it really helps the culture build out. And it's easier to retain those people because they know what they're working for. Yeah. And and to Gino's point there, you know, it's we believe that renting is personal, renting a home is personal and our residents, you know, uh, our number one priority. So we really focus a lot on that customer service piece. And, And just to touch on the systems a little bit. We we've spent, I would say, over three hundred thousand dollars in the last year on you know coaching development for ourselves and our team. And a big part of that is, you know, we've done systems coaching where literally we, we're meeting quarterly. We're going back. We have a, you know, a list of action items. We're taking down maybe two at a time. One example would be top grading. We're implementing top grading into our hiring procedures. Uh, it's a way of hiring folks. If they want to go out and, and Google top grading. You can find out uh, more about that. That's a whole show in itself. 
Uh, we've, we've elevated up to the highest level of ADP, you know, which is, this is some boring stuff, but you know, when we're out there recruiting for folks, there's different packages for your payroll that you can get. And if you go on ADP, we actually have promotional videos and a timeline background history of the company, and then showing like the office and these different things and the promotional videos. So we can go out there and recruit the best talent because, you know, as many of you out there know, this is the, the tightest labor market in the last 50 or 60 years. So it's very competitive. So you have to really be, you know, standing out from the competition if you want to recruit the best folks. And one of the books that I like to throw in is I think everyone who has a business and who wants to create a customer experience or a great customer journey is written by Joey Coleman, Never Lose a Customer. Never Lose a Customer by Joey Coleman. I want everyone to Google that book. It is an amazing book. It's There's the eight you know, eight steps of a customer's journey, all the way from the assess stage to the becoming the advocate stage. There's eight steps and they take you through a journey and there's certain ways that you can interact with, with uh, potential customers, whether it's an email, whether it's a video text, whether it's a text, whether it's a, a video phone, whatever it is, you walk through that and you can refine it. And it's just an amazing way to get your customer service because you wanna be proactive. Jake talks about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is not reactive with customer service. They don't wait for something to happen. They're proactive and they're on the front end. And that's what makes an amazing business, an amazing experience. Because now we're becoming experiential. I got out of the restaurant business because now to get there, you really have to have an experiential you know, uh, experience to, ha to have a successful restaurant because everyone's out there with $5.99 pizza. So if you're not delivering that superior customer service, you're going to be left in the dust. Wow. I'm curious. There's, there's so much in there. I'm curious um, as a former- well, You said we had a half hour, so we just wanted to give it all. <laughs> We're getting it in there. I, I appreciate that. I'm curious, um, as a former restaurateur, there's a, a popular book. You've, I'm sure you've read it, The E-Myth, all about running a restaurant and the systems uh, related to being an entrepreneur. Had you read that book before you got into real estate investing when you were working in your business and not working on your business? And if so, if you had read it, why did it not make an impact? Or, or what's your experience with that book? Great. That's a great question. My one problem with the restaurant industry is the food. It's very hard. <laughs> you know, You know when you're, ha when you're delivering an apartment, they're really box apartments, right? When you're delivering food and, and the type of quality food that I had in my establishment, it was pretty hard to replicate it. Because if you see a lot of the franchises, they're really pretty standard food. I mean, you have Papa John's pizza. You know, I'm trying to think of like, like Carabas. It's, it's okay. It's mediocre. Yeah. And I had the immigrant mindset of my dad. So I didn't take myself out of that restaurant business. When I transitioned over to multifamily, I had a blank slate. I didn't know what I didn't know. I had so many preconceived notions with the restaurant and it was difficult to deliver that. And I didn't have systems in business and I had read it. I was the technician in the restaurant. I was not the management. I was not the visionary, as uh, Gino Wickman says in Traction. I wasn't the visionary. I was more of the guy in there implementing, but I didn't have any systems. That was my problem. And to me, it appears, this might be just me talking, but I think multifamily lends itself so much more to being able to scale up, to build the systems. Because it's funny, I had a restaurant business full time and I'm buying multifamily on the side. I don't think people would have multifamily and buy restaurants on the side, unless they're completely passive with restaurants. It doesn't work that way, yep. right? So multifamily allows you to hire better talent. It's a also. better vehicle. You know, and you can you can hire full-time maintenance staff, you can hire full-time property managers. I mean, we can get into the cost segregation, the tax benefits, the principal pay down, the cash flow. 
the appreciation, the refine role and throwing a lot of stuff at you. But I don't think they it's not even close if you're going to compare one industry with the other. Restaurants are great if you've got a lot of money and you want to invest passively and go hang out on a Friday night. But I wouldn't invest in one to say, you know what, this is great. I'm going to make some money. It's just very difficult. And to be consistent and to consistently put out great food all the time, you have that one bad experience, you lose that customer. It's very difficult. So I think those are the big differences in both uh, niches. Hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts on the state of the market. It is mid-October right now. Probably a month or two down the road is when this is going to come out. Um, if you know, what do you think about where we are? Are we on the precipice of a re- of a recession? And how are you preparing your business for the downturn when it comes? Who knows when it's going to happen? But it's going to happen inevitably. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that we're on the precipice of a recession, and I also think there's a lot of things that we can do. I personally think this is one of the best times to get into multifamily. You might think I'm crazy. But if you're getting into it right now and you think you're on the precipice of a recession, what's going to happen? The market's going to take take a little bit of a downturn. You're going to need between 6 to 12 to 18 months to build those relationships, right? That's really important. It's a long game. We talk about the long game happening. There's three things that I want students to write down, everyone listening, that we teach our students. The three pillars of real estate. It's the market cycle. It's the exit strategy. And it's debt. Once again, the market cycle, which I'm going to hit on real quick for you because this is what you're talking about. It's exit strategy. What are you doing with this property? Are you going to be buying this like Jake and I for the long term? Are you going to be buying it and flipping it? Are you going to be refinancing? What is that exit strategy look like? And what is the debt? When we first started out, we were buying community bank financing. We were actually buying this community bank. It was recourse. So we were guaranteeing the loans. Wasn't the greatest thing, but that's all we could get in the beginning. Then we went into non-recourse. We refinanced that out and we went into agency debt. What kind of debt are you getting? Those three pillars are going to tell you if it's a good deal or not and how to invest. So on the market cycle right now, whether you're, whatever market you're in, every market is in a different cycle. Some markets might be in a recession, very few, but some markets like Atlanta might be in a hypersupply where they're over-delivering. Find out where your market is in that market cycle and start buying. Right now, it's going to be a little bit harder to buy refinance and roll deals like we had in the beginning of 2013 and 14 because the asset prices are elevated. We're also looking to buy a little bit newer assets. We don't want to do these big, heavy value adds because if you're at the high part of the market and you're putting ten dollars or $15,000 per unit and those asset prices take a little dip, goes down. But... I know Jake's going to hit on this. The debt financing is important because you're going to get, we just got a 3.5% 10-year term fixed for 10 wow. years, 30-year AM, and you're talking about five years of interest only. So like you said, you're locking that in. You're able to pay a little bit more because the cash on cash is great because of that debt. Real estate's two things, as Robert Kiyosaki says. It's debt and it's taxes. So you lock that debt in for the long term. You don't care if the market really takes a tank because if your exit strategy is to hold it for longer term, it doesn't matter. As long as you're cash flowing and you're able to keep those rents where they are, I think when we go into recession, there's going to be less people buying homes. Right now, we're at a 50-year home in home ownership. 150 million people are millennials or baby boomers. They're renting. When we go into recession, less people are going to be buying homes. So what's going to happen? I think the rents are going to be there. Just be careful where you're investing. You want to be in an emerging type market in the Southeast where there's still population growth, there's still some job growth. If you're in the middle of the rust belt and you get hit by a really heavy recession and people have to leave that market, you may be in trouble with rents dropping. So just be careful where you're investing. But think of those three things, the market cycle, the debt, and the exit strategy. Taylor. Yes. What's it say on your hat? 
Cash flow. And what do I say to that, Gino? If the cash, if it don't cash flow, if it don't cash flow, let the grass grow. <laughs> Sing it with me, folks. <laughs> Here's the thing. Anyone listen to this, you know, when this comes out, hit me on the IG. If it don't cash flow, let the grass grow. Here's what's going on. You got guys right now buying. Could be ladies too. Yeah. Sure. Jake and Gino loves all. Okay. Buying at what we may think may be the top. So what are you going to buy? You, you're going to buy class A. You're going to buy core assets with interest only that may cash flow 6% and then hope that you're going to be able to continue to raise the rent when that IO burns off interest only, or you're going to buy assets that are truly cash flowing seven to 8% that truly have upside, maybe more, you know, C and B class that when, you know, the recession does come, you're actually in a position where folks need demand because they're maybe pushed down from the A's into the B's, maybe the B's to the C's. Okay. You follow mm -hmm. me? So we're looking for demand. What we talked about earlier, basic human needs, okay? People need a place to live. The people making the bank are probably the ones that are going to get whacked first. Look, there still needs to be people working at, you know, uh, we have a lot of people around something called Denso in Tennessee, big manufacturing hub for Toyota. They do a lot of things. People doing uh, retail, blue collar work. Okay, these folks are still going to be employed because they are the engine of our economy. You want to be in that sweet spot. So when the recession does come, there's demand for your product. And we believe that it's not recession proof, but we believe it's recession resistant. And if we follow our framework, buy right, manage right, and finance right, as we talk about in Wheelbarrow Profits, we think we're going to be in a pretty good place because we bought right on the front end. We bought for cash flow on the front end. We're going to manage these things right. We're going to put our you know different repositioning techniques in place to hold for the long term. And we're putting long-term fixed rate debt on these deals to take the interest rate risk off the table. Because we believe, especially this time, if you're going to go and do a deal right now with a bridge loan, it may be okay, but you don't want to be the, the person that gets caught in the middle or the beginning of a recession, where if you're fixed on this last deal that we did for 10 years with 3.5%, you're probably going to be able to weather that storm you know, when it does come. And you're going to have something that, that is in demand. Uh, I think we, we talked it was... Food, clothing, and shelter, apartments, apartments, apartments man, yeah, come on! Right. <laughs> I might, how about you guys start embroidering hats for food, shelter, and apartments, and I'll, I'll wear that on the show. <laughs> or, or it might just say if, if it don't cash flow, let the grass oh, grow. I'm, Either way, we'll be. I okay. wear that too. That'd be great. So let's re let's let's repeat that real quick. It's buy right, which is we have a wheelbarrow behind us. It's the back leg of the wheelbarrow. Finance right, which is the other leg. Those are both fixed. Once you're done with those, you have those set, you're done. And then the manager right is the wheel, everybody. They'll picture that, the wheelbarrow. Mr. Stenziano was out cutting grass one day, burning down some trees in Tennessee. <laughs> he looks at the wheelbarrow and he goes, you know what? That is such a great analogy. Buy right, manage right, and finance right. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, but you got to follow the framework for sure. Wow. I like that a lot. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, guys, I got three questions I ask every guest at the end of the show. Are you ready? Bring it. All right. First one, what is the best investment that you've ever made? And you're both free to uh, to weigh in on all of these. We're probably going to say the same thing. Uh, we did a deal back in August of 2015. It was 281 units. We split it up into two LLCs. It was $11 million purchase. It was all owner financed, zero money out of our pocket. Whoa. We walked away from that deal with $120,000 at the table. The title lady looked at us and she said, I've never seen this before. And I said, I'm sure you haven't. I, it doesn't happen every day, but that's just 
from proving the framework. That was the Jim, that was the Jim uh, Clayton deal. Mr. Clayton, who Jake, picture this, was supposed to go on a helicopter ride with Jim Clayton. And he doesn't like heights. Ugh. And I'm in New York and I was going to fly down that day to get a helicopter <laughs> ride with him, but I couldn't make it. But anyway, that deal was amazing because what ended up happening is we bought it for $11 million. The first month income on that property was $140,000 in rental receipts. The next month after we took it over, it was $170,000. Now, both of those properties are probably worth in excess of $20 million. We've refinanced them twice. We bought it with the community bank. We refinanced it once and then we refinanced it a second time to uh, agency debt. So now it's off our balance sheet. It is not a contingent liability anymore. It's on non-recourse and we've cashed out. It's almost as if somebody gave us the keys to their business for free. It was a total mom and pop. It was a gentleman who had, who had bought it, uh, built it with his brothers and sisters, and he tried to sell it to his family. They couldn't run it and he had just gotten fed up. And we told him, we can do it. We can take care of it. We had the business plan. We had our credibility book all built out. We had a basic pitch book. We had the relationships with the with the bank. That's what you need. And we just took a big chance. I'm going to give you two and the, because there was two inflection points in my life. Number one was our first deal. And the reason that was the best deal is because it got us in the game. And then it allowed us to start focusing on people, systems, and culture. And it created momentum and it allowed us to have proof of concept, which then allowed that momentum to carry into future deals. So when you get when you first get into the game, that credibility, you cannot like undervalue that because then brokers take you more seriously, you start getting more exposure and you start getting deals. So number one, the best deal would have been that first deal because it created momentum. Uh, the second one would have been the third deal because that deal set me free for the rest of my mm. life. And I was able to drive my boss at the time, I was working for a pharmaceutical company, to a Taco Bell. And, you know, I'm a Chick-fil-A guy, so I couldn't have done it at a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I ordered, you know, and it's a, it's fantastic. You got to try this chicken quesadilla from Taco Bell. They're, they're just, they're wonderful. And I had my unsweet tea and I, and I said, I just can't do this anymore. I don't have time for you. You're messing with my real estate investing. Ooh. I got to quit. So see ya. <laughs> so that was, that was very good. And then I was able to, you know, work, you know, just full time on the real estate without any of this annoying uh, pharmaceutical and vaccine stuff interfering in the way. Nice. I like that. You got the 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 epic quitting experience that the main character from the movie Office Space really wanted, only you did it in an ethical way. It was retirement. Way. It was retirement. <laughs> I like that. I like that. The other side of the best investment coin is the worst investment. What is the worst investment that you've ever made? That's an easy one for me. Bought a property back in 2006. It was after my mobile home park. And I want to stress this to everybody. Just remember this. If there's nothing else to remember from this recording, no deal is better than a bad deal. Mm. Now, if I had found that out, no deal is better than a bad deal. I bought this property, same thing, back in 2006, 2007, the market cycle was wrong, but more importantly, the market was terrible where I bought. There was no job growth. There was no appetite for office space. I had overpaid a little bit, and not only that, I should have, I overfixed. So I didn't know a lot of the stuff. I didn't do proper due diligence. Everybody, there's three steps in due diligence. There's financial, there's the physical aspect of it, and then there's the legal. I did bad on all three of them, um, and that's that's a problem. Financial, 
physical and legal. And I bought the property for a little over a million too. Gosh knows how much I put into it. I sold it two years ago for nine seventy five. So I took a bath on it. Wow. But more importantly, I owned it for over ten years. And every time the phone rang and I saw the property manager's name on there, I would get the I would get the chills because I just did not want to see it. So the time suck for my brain was really terrible. But on the flip side, that was probably the best deal I did because that's what pushed me into getting education times action equals what, Jake? Results, baby. Yeah. And and so from the best to the worst, if that's possible, but that really, really put, said, I said to myself, I'm smarter than this. If other people are out there doing it, I have to figure it out. So that was a really painful deal for me. I want everyone to, to really not poo poo what I'm about to say right now. College was the worst return on investment of any investment I've ever made. And it was a major investment. I had to pay for it myself. My parents didn't float me. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was a terrible investment in the worst ROI that I've ever had. Investing my time and action with Gino allowed me to become an eight figure, you know, net worth individual in six years. Okay. So, you know, got educated in college basically was a total waste of my time and spending, you know, two years with Gino allowed me to quit my job, take control of my life and become a multimillionaire many times over through real estate. Which would you rather do? I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. You have to have that. All this well, this well-rounded crap. Oh, we got to go to college to become (laughs) well-rounded. No, go learn something that you can make money with. That's the point. Very true. Very true. We, uh, there are better ROIs to be had out there, especially in entrepreneurship. My favorite question out of these- I learned Bush Light real well in beer pong. I tell you <laughs> that, man. And I was a beast. It was uh, Keystone Light and Natty Light where uh, where I went to college. Oh, Natty Light, oh, yes. Oh, man, that, that's something make you hallucinate. Careful with that. <laughs> My favorite question out of these three is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? I think on the front end, I just want to be very clear, and this is what we touched about, is buy for cash flow today and force appreciation for tomorrow, okay? Don't get into something, especially at this time in the market, where you're hoping that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get the rents up and we're going to you know, do this, and but you're buying for something that's not going to cash flow today. Look, we bought some you know, pretty hairy deals that we had big turnarounds with, but we already established in the market with a full construction crew, full property management team, and we proved our concept, especially if it's your first deal. Buy for cash flow on the front end. It, it will be, you know, the one thing along with, you know, a long-term fixed rate interest uh, debt on the deal that will be able to save your butt if things go wrong. So I think getting the cash flow in place and then, you know, trying to force appreciation, working your, your little levers, your rubs, this, that, and the other thing, and having uh, non-recourse fixed rate debt uh, so that you don't get bitten by the, uh, the interest rate creep. And for me, it's real simple. Actually, it became very simple a couple of years ago. I want everyone when they get off this recording to sit down and focus on their why. We need to really become clear in our lives. Why multifamily for you or why a single family home for you? Become clear on why you're investing in something. And once you can become clear on it, then you'll figure out how to do it. And if you don't have a strong enough why, you're going to quit. I quit with the mobile home park. I quit with the mixed use because there was not a strong enough why. I needed the great recession to take me along and to say, I can't continue on my restaurant. Then I got a strong enough why. And then I found multifamily. I can do it part time while I own the restaurant and I can make a couple thousand bucks a month on buying one property. And then I bought another property and I said, I can 
do this a little bit better. And then I bought a third one and I said, yep, I can see the light of day and I can continue to do this. So for everybody out there, think of the clarity, think of yourself personally, why you're doing any investments, whether it's the stock market, there's really three types. It's stocks and bonds, real estate and businesses. Those are the three types of asset classes that you can basically, you know, invest in. Focus on one of them. Like Jake likes to say, stay in your lane, get your clarity and focus on why and make that why strong. So then when you've hit those little road bumps, those little speed bumps, you're not going to deviate. You're not going to quit. Nice. I like that a lot. And and I got one last one here. I feel like you, you touched on it, but you guys are in a position, presumably, where you could retire and sit on the beach the rest of your lives if you really wanted to. Why not do that? Ooh, 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 ooh. Let's hear yeah. it. Okay. So, so we actually have, uh, you know, some things that we like to talk about. And the reason that we succeeded early on and, and the why we won was because we were both aligned. We were very clear on what we wanted. And then again, we stayed in our lane. So we, we were very clear that we wanted to create financial freedom. We we're providers for our families. And that's why early on that we succeeded. Okay. Getting into it, we talk about, we treat multifamily as a business. We're not, we love buying from doctors. We love buying from lawyers because they don't treat it like a business. So once we got in the game, we were laser focused. We treated it as a business. We vertically integrated ourselves. We put in the hard work on the front end and we are just constantly committed to making the machine grow and treating it as this is our baby. This has got to be a well-oiled machine. Let's grow this sucker. So that's why we won over time. We're committed to the long view. We weren't looking for when we refight a deal to go buy a Ferrari. No, we put that money into the next deal. And that's why the thing started really snowballing for us. It takes time, though. And we allowed the cost segregation to take place. And we, we were basically men of ethics and integrity. And we did what we say we would do. Then from there, you know, a few years ago, we're saying like, you know, I could never retire. I got too much energy. My butt's always burning. So what are we going to do? <laughs> so then we started really thinking about that core purpose. And we realized, as we touched on earlier, that we're here to improve the lives of others, whether they're in our communities, whether they're on our team. And, and that's what we really focus on now. And then we, we have our RAND Cares, and it's just it's leaving a legacy for our family. It's generational wealth. So it really comes back to nailing that core purpose. And that's what we're showing up every day to do. And we enjoy it. I, again, I don't know, like, if, if you told me today, okay, Jake, you got to retire my wife would kill me <laughs> like, you know, and this is, this is too much fun. So it's like, you know, I enjoy what I do. I think that we, we got to show up every day and take nothing for granted because I think when you get lackadaisical, uh, that's, you know, you, you've, I'm sure you've read the, you know, the story of star Starbucks and Howard Schultz. He stepped out for a few years and it started to go to crap. So this is something that I'm sure, you know, Gino's kids in the future will be involved in and my kids will be involved in. So we're here to set an example. We're, we're here to be providers and, you know, you need to show up every day to make sure that happens. We could go sell everything off, but that, you know, that wouldn't be a fulfilling life for either of us. I think all the listeners need to picture this. What is financial freedom to them? Yeah. To me, when I moved back down in Florida back in 2017, I, I'm literally 300 feet from the beach. I thought, you know, taking the time off and enjoying myself is great. I did it for two days. I was supposed to, I was supposed to actually scale down my, my lifestyle. I ended up scaling up. And for me, what ultimately happened was financial freedom was, you know, work when I want to, with who I want to, where I want to, and more importantly, why. Those are the four finer things for financial freedom for me. So everybody out there, write them down. What is your financial freedom? For me, it was wherever I want to. So I moved to Florida from New York. You can work wherever you want to. I was up in Nashville speaking to Bigger Pockets last week. I was at Jake's house. I worked there. And then whenever you want to, we're working all the time. So it doesn't matter when. And to us, 
Once this come- isn't work, okay? I grew up in a small town. Nice. Digging a ditch is work. <laughs> That's true. Okay? This is a joke yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, money is not the cause when you're financially free. It's the result because you're able to build these businesses. You're able to defer getting paid on these businesses because you're reinvesting your capital. And then all of a sudden, one day, one hits, another one hits. I mean, Jake and I over, have over 20 streams of revenue from all of our different businesses. Six years ago, I only had three and two of them were small and one of them was from working at the restaurant. So the ability to continue to grow those. And like I said, it's important, everybody. Money's not the cause when you're financially free. It's the result. And the Bob Berg go-giver really mentality when you're out there, when you're struggling and trying to pay the bills, it's really hard to, to do. And now I'm able to get in a call with somebody and help them out. And I don't have to get paid to do that. I can choose to do that. And that's such an empowering life to be able to choose to get on a phone call and help somebody out and not expect to get paid. And that's when you really start getting paid because your value goes up tremendously. You're able to practice more and you're able to hone your craft and enjoy what you're doing. And that's what happened to me. I never enjoyed work. To me, work was now the three principles becoming financially free. Work hard, work smart work with passion. I was doing the first one. Then he comes along. We start working smart because we're putting in systems and now we're working with passion. I think it shows. And I think the community that we've built and we're serving people and it's a lot of fun and it's magnetic and you start attracting other like-minded people and you can start having a lot of fun at work now. Think about it like this. Do you want harmony or do you want balance? And balance, let's let that sink in. This is from our buddy, Rick Sapio. Harmony is you're playing the game well and everything's gelling and working together and you're enjoying it. Balance is I'm going to spend 25% of my time with my family. I'm going to spend 25% of my time with my business. I'm going to spend 25% of my time with my friends, 25% of my time with fitness. Great. Well, I I don't, I don't like that math. I want to spend (laughs) probably 60% of the time on my business because it gives me rocket fuel energy and it just, it's fun and I enjoy it. I want to spend a little bit of time on the weekends with my friends. I want to spend a lot of time with my family. We, we want to have a faith-based, you know, relationship here. Enjoy the fitness. You know, I, I can go downstairs. I get a gym in my house now. I can hit the weights in the morning. Fantastic. But it's not going to take up 30, 40% of my time. Okay. So I think it's, it's harmony. You want harmonious relationships with, with a, these, these different components of your life so that you enjoy it and construct a life, you know, based on values that you enjoy. And and don't worry if someone else wants to spend 60% of their time running marathons. Great. Construct your life like that, but do you. And and this this is answered too in our book. We got I just want to give a quick plug to it. We just came out with a book called The Honeybee, okay? And it's a parable that kind of tr- it, Hold on a second. I get right here. Going to grab a copy. Uh. There you go. The, bee, the honeybee here. So this is, a, this is a parable we just came out with. And this, it actually answers, if you stay to the end and you read, read the full thing, that it will answer that question uh, in more de- uh, more depth and more detail. So we're not going to give anything away there because you got to pick it nice, up. Nice, nice. Right? People got to pick it up. I love it. And how many financially free uh, people or how many people will say, it's, I'm, fi- I'm going to get financially free. And then as we record this, it is 5.51 uh, p.m. on a Tuesday. And you guys are still working. I'm sure you're going to be working the rest of the evenings this week, getting ready for your conference. But most people want to retire and go sit on a beach, and you're not doing that. So I applaud you. Uh, where can people... The beach is right there. I can see it out the window here. And my, my wife was out there with the kids today, with Gino's kids, and they had a blast. But we did too. And I'm sure you know we might be out there tonight taking a stroll with the family sure. and enjoying it. And But it's, you know, you get to pick and choose and and do it when you want. So where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more, get the show, get a copy of the book, all that good stuff? Real simple. Jakeandgino.com. 
The book is on there. It's on Amazon. It just got put on Amazon today. What I want people also to do is we have a podcast show. It's called the Jake and Gina channel. We're doing four podcasts a week. We're doing one that's called the multifamily zone. That's with me and my wife. We talk about spouses and how can spouses work together, especially in the real estate space, because we have a lot of students who are doing real estate and their spouse is not. And to get them aboard is really challenging sometimes. So we, we focus on communication, on awareness, on how to help the children getting into the business and how to really talk about financial education with your kids. The second one is the Movers and Shakers podcast where we highlight a student every week who's doing deals in the platform. The third one is a syndication podcast where we're talking about syndication, all different aspects of it. And the fourth one is the Wheelbarrow Profits where it's more general business and high level motivation, inspiration, and we bring on a lot of multifamily people. So the channel is really tuned into personal growth, personal development, family, and multifamily business. Those are, I guess, the best ways to get in touch with us. Right now, right now. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, your conference sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I know a lot of folks who are going to be in attendance. And uh, I really appreciate all the energy and the, and the knowledge that you brought to us today. Taylor, thanks for having us on. Take Taylor, care, everybody. Taylor, if it don't cash flow, let the grass <laughs> grow, buddy. All right, we're going to get it. Let the grass grow. This is also, and uh, this episode will be a mine for quotes for years to come. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks for joining us once again, guys. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's a very big help. If you know anyone that can use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into our tribe. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.